Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Sarah Palsy and Fitness Podcast. I'm here with Eric Chesson. He's a uh, fitness instructor specializing in, in neurodiverse um, training with those with autism, cerebral palsy, and, and much more. So, Eric, welcome. Thank you, David. Excited to be here and, and a great start to 2023, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely excited for this year. Uh, you know, there's a lot of big things coming, uh, especially for for you and your 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 platform. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your, your background and how you got started with fitness. Yeah. So I started out, I think there are two main ways that people start out in the in the fitness industry. You either have someone who is a lifelong athlete or they trained lifelong and then it just kind of pulled into their career as a fitness professional. And then you have people like myself who were in sports or not in sports for a very long time, or maybe had, you know, for me, it was my own personal reason. So I was involved in, um, in sports at a younger age, I played little league baseball and we were always running around the neighborhood playing, you know, playing stuff. And then there came a time probably around middle school where I no longer had the competitive drive or the competitive abilities to, to continue playing baseball at, you know, even that, even the high school level, uh, and not, not very high level, but so from there, my, uh, you wouldn't necessarily call it a career there, but, but my activity level, as far as competitive sports just dropped off because I wasn't doing anything anymore. And I didn't pick up anything else. So once I stopped baseball, I kind of stopped moving, right? I stopped training for, for anything or training in anything. And that led to me being, you know, sedentary and just sitting around a lot, eating a lot to the point where early in, in high school, I, you know, had gained a lot of weight. I didn't feel good about myself. Um, it definitely got made fun of on a regular basis. And that certainly affected my self-esteem. And then one day, it was probably around junior year in, in high school, I just walked into the high school weight room, didn't have a coach, didn't have a trainer, didn't have anything, didn't have any knowledge, oh, no information, had nothing, just walked in and started doing stuff, you know, on the universal. Granted, it wasn't good. I had no idea what I was doing. I was not following any template, any program, but I knew I wanted to make a change for myself. So th- that was the beginning of kind of my my journey into and fitness as a lifestyle for me and from there I got into martial arts um and and but I never left weightlifting I always loved lifting heavy stuff and so I I carried that on and then I after I le- uh, after I graduated um from an undergraduate program which was in forensic psychology but really it was mostly general psych I thought, oh, I want to do something with psychology and training. At that point, I'd become a a personal trainer for general population. And then I went to graduate school in a behavior science program. And I had a classmate who said, hey, I know you're a personal trainer and you're in this behavior science program. I work in a program with teenagers on the autism spectrum and we've never had a dedicated fitness program. Do you think you could put something together for us? And that was over 21 years, uh, yeah, 20, 21 years ago <laughs> now. So the the journey, the, the personal journey was me finding a, a better life 
through fitness and something that really is a lifestyle a style. And we can get back into this, but when we talk about a lifestyle, all this is habits. It's habit and consistency. There's no, there's no magic to it. So I taking that on, that's just what I do now. You know, when when people ask, oh, how do you or, or you know, how is it discipline? It's not discipline. At this point, it's just ingrained. So I wanted to bring that to my athletes on the autism spectrum with related neurodiversities with CP, because through strength, there is greater strength and it carries over so many different, you know, this, it it carries over into so many different areas of life. And I saw that there was, uh, when I started working in this program, I saw that there was such a lack of information and protocol on how do you deliver not just a program, but the best possible general fitness program for the neurodivergent population that did that, to my knowledge that didn't exist yet and because i had these this interdisciplinary background what i was able to do is bridge bridge the gap and say okay well we know how to get someone strong uh right. we know how to get them moving better how do you take those fundamental principles and apply them to a population that has more considerations than we would for a neurotypical person who is highly motivated, who even if they don't move well, even if they haven't ever really had a, a program, is going to have fewer obstacles and barriers towards be- becoming fit if they're really motivated to do so. Yeah, it's uh, it's there. There's um, like you mentioned, there's a lot of different factors, a lot of different reasons for someone to to get fit, and um, you know, and that's also you have to think about. Not just people, people talk, for example, people talk a lot, people talk about a lot about dieting this, dieting that, but you tend to forget the mental strength it takes for you to even start their journey itself, Yeah, you know, because uh, it's cause, because there, you can start one day, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, go to the gym, know absolutely nothing you, you, you know, about machines, about workouts, about plans, dieting mm-hmm. and anything and think, oh man. This is going to be so simple. It's going to be awesome. And then you go through one workout. And you're like, man, no, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to do what, what I was doing and not, not go, not go back at it. Versus if you wake up one day and you're like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to try my best. If it doesn't go, go well, find an alternative, find another way to get to it. You know, there's, there's always a variety of, always uh a way to get fit, whether it's going to a gym or just starting with small things at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also keeping in mind, and this is, it's an extra layer of challenge when we're talking about the neurodiverse population, but there's no progress without discomfort. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. And do anything in life that is worthwhile is going to involve a measure of discomfort as well. So when you put that on top of the fact that many neurodivergent individuals have so many challenges during the course of the day, you know, things that I might take for granted in, you know, sequencing myself, getting up, getting out of bed, washing my face, brushing my, all of these things for a lot of, you know, a lot of neurodiverse individuals are, are, are challenging. And of course it's a wide array. And then we get into socialization and all these other things. And then you throw on this extra challenge of saying, Hey, yeah, in order to get good at this, there needs to be a measure of, of 
understanding or accepting that it may suck at, at oh, first. Yeah. And that's and that's okay. Like that's oh it that's okay. One of the one of the coolest things for me is when I speak with parents, because it's predominantly, regardless of the athlete that I'm working at as far as their their age, whether they are 16 or 26 or 66, it's typically the parents or family members contacting me first. I do, I work with some self-advocates as well, but, you know, they contact me and they say, hey, you know, I want, I, I want my, you know, my son or my daughter to, to be more active. And if we're working, you know, one-to-one or consulting, then they, they're they're reaching out to me first. It's not the individual who I'm training, it, it's them. So right. part of that, you know, after the first session, sometimes a, a, a parent will be really nervous and say, was that okay? Are they doing all right? We start where we start. It's fine. You know, I, I'm, I'm not looking for everything to, there's no such thing as perfection, but I'm not looking for everything to be good in the first session. I need everybody to understand and that everything right now is we're, we're good. We start where we start. And in order to get where we want to go in order to set those, set those goals, there are going to be setbacks. There are going to be things that are difficult. There are going to be things that may not come easy and that's fine because number one, we know that. And number two, we're setting up a way to get there. So it's not, uh, there's no such thing as starting with perfection and there's no such thing as perfection. So what does that mean? It means that the goal is to stay on that journey. That's all it is and progress along the way. Right. And, uh, you know, and like, like you hit it, you uh, said it perfectly, you know, it, it takes, it takes time for, for you to get to that journey. It might take you a, a day. It might take you a week, a month, a year. Um, you know, like, for me, for example, I started my journey uh, 17 years ago when I was 15 years old. Uh, yeah. I went to the doctor and uh, the doctor, um, you know, because I used to be very sedentary, even though I did sports, didn't really train outside of sports. Mm-hmm. So the doctor, the doctor told me once uh, that if I didn't change my lifestyle, I could end up back in back in a wheelchair, you know, for the rest of my life. And um, and uh you know, that's when it hit me. And I said, you know, I need to do something to change that. And I started uh, getting into fitness. And I, I, let me tell you, at first, I hated it because you're talking about um, going into the gym, doing a workout. But aside from the workout, how you look physically, because people people will stare at you doing different exercises and people will stare at you even more when you're physically disabled because they're concerned about you and you're trying to lift a certain weight and they're going to be like, they're going to be running up to you asking you, do you, do you need help? Do you want me to adjust this weight for you? And uh, at first when I started doing it a couple for the first couple of years, um, people would come up to me and say, do you need help? Uh, can I, can I assist you with the weight? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. And, you know, at first as someone with a disability, you know, in general, when someone gives you advice in the gym, some some people with disabilities are like, "Man, no, I don't, I don't want your advice. I want to do it my own way." This yada yada yada, and then I realize that advice is what helps you get ahead, especially with someone that's willing to help you and is compassionate mm-hmm. and cares about your well being despite you being disabled. So I've learned yeah. that any kind of advice that helps you 
mm-hmm. take it, take it and put it in the back of your mind and take it into consideration. You know, it might, it might help you do better in the gym in the long run. And not only that, but the person that's helping you is lo- taking the time to learn about you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you go through that every day when you meet your clients and you meet parents, you know, you, you're not only taking the time to know about them, but they're getting to know about you as well. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I one of the things that that I I've learned and and that was something that I needed to take into consideration early on is I don't always have the luxury of my athletes immediately taking to or or immediately enjoying exercise because consider that most of the time it's the parents making the decision and saying, you know, I, I want my son or daughter again, you know, any age, any ability level to get, to get more fit. And so that individual may not understand completely why they're working with me, what we're doing, what the purpose is, you know, all of these things can be like the idea of getting stronger, the idea of moving better, the idea of feeling better. These are still really abstract concepts and so to say like what is stronger mean what is moving better mean what is better posture mean we can understand these things and we can correlate them to to a broader idea or, or a more specific idea um you know both general and specific a lot of my athletes don't necessarily have that in, in the beginning so it's an extra piece that i need to be considerate of but i, I wanted to ask you because of the scenario that you brought up, and, and this is something that I think is really important, both uh, on, I, I don't want to call them sides, but both in the, yeah. the neurodiverse world and, and in the neurotypical world, if you're training in a gym and, and someone comes up to you, and I'm sure one of the big factors I'm sure has to be tactfulness. It's like the way someone approaches you is, is yeah. going to be a big deal. But how, how does that play out? in your mind if someone comes up and says, hey, can I help you with that? Because I I would think that your initial thought would be, I've got this, but then you also realize, oh, this person is actually trying to help me. So what what is that like for you? For for me, it's like, you know, um, when they come up and ask me, I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, so what do you have in mind? So I take I take the the second to listen to what they have, mm-hmm. you know, feedback and whatnot. And then uh they'll proceed to, to help, you know, I, I'm very, um, I very open to criticism, to feedback, to people willing to help, you know, I'm not, you know, very closed minded. Cause I, I, I understand, you know, you being in the gym and, and seeing a lot of people in the gym that are able-bodied and then you're, you're kind of the one singled out, you know, being completely different, you know, uh, physically mm-hmm. you're bound to get, you know, you're bound to get looks. And I've learned, I've, over the years, I've, I don't let it get to me anymore because people people are, people get so, you know, get so motivated. You know, the fact that I have people come up to me in the gym and they're like, man, you, you motivate me to come to the gym every day mm. and put forth 110%. I've had people that come up to me and ask me for a picture just because they're like, they're so like, you know, awestruck to see somebody like yeah. me just putting in the work. And I'm like, I, I don't ask for pictures or recognition i'm just there to do what everybody else does is just work out but the fact that i've had people listen to the podcast and 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 just see what i do and and 
see that uh that positivity behind it makes it all the difference mm. and all it takes is for you to get out there yeah yeah thank you because it, it's really helpful also and you know like gym culture where you know going up to anybody you know unsolicited gym advice is probably one of the touchiest subjects in in the western world it, it, it is it, it can be for some people you know they'll be like man they'll, they'll take some people will take it offensively like oh man are you saying i'm not i'm not good enough at this or uh you know and but to me it's like take take be, be come with an open mind and you don't you don't know if it might help you you know so i just keep my mind open and if it helps it helps if not at least i attempted it yeah yeah i i, I think that's you know that way of looking at it is just being open to instead of being automatically charged to turn around and say yeah don't bother me or to, just to be open and 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 to be accepting of the fact that someone wants to help you know whatever their motive or whatever they think they're going to be doing. Yeah. Like, it's so funny. Like I've had people who I've interviewed or if they listen to my podcast and they'll, they'll, they'll email me and they'll be like, can you, can you train me? Like, can you, can you be my personal trainer? And I'm like, I don't have, I mean, I, I, I will, as much as I would love to, I'm not sure a certified personal trainer. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love to. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm pursuing eventually down the line is to become uh, a certified personal trainer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, I don't mind when I'm in the gym and somebody asks me, hey, can you help me do this? Can you give me some tips on this? Yeah, and I, mm -hmm. I'm fine. And I can give you tips and I can help you get the get the workout done. It's just I feel afraid because I'm not certified, you know, that um, I might do something wrong or I might say something wrong and uh, something might happen. But I try my best. Yeah, absolutely. No, just load one side of the barbell. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh man, like it's it's crazy the the way that uh fitness works at times, especially for somebody with a uh, physical disability and just the the neurodiverse community in general. Yeah, well, it's such a oh man, the fitness. I mean. The fitness world is so difficult to navigate it to is. begin with because pre-internet, you know, it was difficult to find good information and you really had to seek it out. Now, post-internet, now there's, I don't know if I want to label it too much of information, but let's say there's an inexhaustible amount of information. Right. And then it's so difficult I think to for for a lay person or someone who doesn't really have a good idea of uh, of what a what what a legitimate fitness foundation or or good basic programming or advice looks and sounds like it's so easy to get caught up in well you know this person is a fitness influencer so they must know Meanwhile, most of the fitness influence, like these people don't actually coach anybody, nor have they ever co coached anybody. And they are either making these programs up or they're having someone else ghostwrite these programs. But the average person, regardless, you know, neurodiverse or neurotypical, they don't know this. Like they're being fed right. this constant barrage of information. And a lot of it is just garbage. So it's, yeah, I, it I do not envy somebody 
starting out a their fitness journey or just looking for good fitness information because you're going to be hit whether you're looking on Instagram or YouTube or tickets like, oh, this person has you know 50 million followers. They must be great. No, they might be good yeah. at marketing, but terrible at fitness. Yeah, like <laughs> terrible at coaching. And and it it sucks because the average person, it's difficult. You know, if you if you have a decent BS radar, then then more power to you. But to just look at it, say, oh, this is well produced. And this person sounds confident and they look great and they seem to know what they're talking about. So I'm going to do this, you know, thousand single leg squat challenge. And that's going to be like, the, the reality is that most good training programs are simple. Like simplicity reigns supreme here. And the problem mm -hmm. with that the, the problem with that is it's very difficult to stand out when you are just talking about the basics. Like when you're saying, yeah, everybody has to squat, push, pull, carry, locomote, like get from one point to another. When you, when you put it that way, it's like, well, that's too simple. That couldn't possibly work. And so you're looking for more, right? right. You're looking for, oh, I want the super secret thing. Guess what? It doesn't exist, but someone's going to sell it to you. And then, and then if if they sell it to you, uh, chances are they don't tell you what's in the fine print. Yeah, well, it, well, well, there or there is no fine print. Or there or is no fine print. You you do the program and you hit a plateau. And the thing about just starting out is, when you just start out, if you have someone who's detrained or untrained, you know they've been sedentary or they've never had a training program. Anything is going to work in the beginning. You will get strong if you have a sedentary person walking around the block three times if you haven't you know take, taken a walk in five years walking around the block three times is going to make you stronger now there's going to be a plateau and it's going to happen relatively quickly but the thing is start starting out it's you know beginner gains just about everything is going to work it's not to say it's safe it's not to say it's going to be effective long term but someone's starting out with like the challenges you know and, and it's perfect time of year for that too it's like january 1st okay six week or eight week challenge doesn't make sense in terms of the program, the overall programming. Is it, you know, is it a well-balanced program? Is it sustainable? And third, and this is something that that comes up constantly when we're talking about training the neurodiverse population, but you know, th this extends to any any population. Is it scalable? Is this workout, is this program scalable for someone who is a novice versus someone, you know, who's intermediate? Like, what's the goal? You start with the goal, like, what is, what do we want to accomplish here? And then we move, you know, we work backwards from that. Yeah, it's, uh, I love, I love all, all those, all those ideas and everything you've, you've given so far. Um, you know, it's, uh, for, it's like right now, like you mentioned, now we're, now we're in a new year, you know, and. Uh, in my opinion, when it comes to like New Year's resolutions that people make about fitness, I'm like, to me, it's either you get it done or you don't because you say you're going to do something for the new yeah. year. But chances are, like you say, you go to a gym for the first two weeks, it's packed and you're like, like, oh, you know, I don't I don't think this is for me. So yeah. I might as well not do it because you can tell who's motivated when you go to the gym the first two weeks of the new year versus mm -hmm. after because it thins out. It thins out so fast. Like I, I notice how how 
it's packed and then it goes away and then you're like man all these people are wishing new year's resolutions to get in shape but they're not committed to yeah to the to the very beginning where it's the most most difficult arduous part of the journey to then seeing the the gains because that was that was my problem years mm -hmm. ago like yeah. i be i began you know it was very difficult um then i started seeing results and um you know, I got I got into really phenomenal phenomenal shape, and this was after my my playing days. Mm -hmm. You know, after my playing days, I got I was doing uh, triple triple digit numbers on every machine, on every every uh, every workout, and mm -hmm. I would go to the gym and and then I would just look at myself in the mirror, you know, and say, you know, I've I've made it through a lot, and then as the years progress, now it's like I'm getting through a plethora of injuries and still working out you know as, as you get older your body starts to break down quicker and um and i tried to learn how to manage that by just mm. going lighter and not mm. doing too much yeah. you know i remember some i remember someone giving me this piece of advice telling me hey you know it's not about the the amount you do the quantity it's about the quality mm -hmm. And when they told me that, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm doing these these heavy, heavy, heavy sets of of weights and these these like ridiculous amount of reps. I'm getting injured yeah. all the time. Yeah. But then that advice told me, told my body, it's like, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time to go lighter and more reps and that'll save your body in the long run. And that's what it's, it's done for me so far is just keep me from being injured. Because as you know, working with the neurodiverse population, especially cerebral palsy, we get injured so easily. We get hurt mm. with every little thing we do. And I've tried to avoid that as much yeah. as I can. Yeah. And, and and you look at the, you know, again, it comes back to working backwards from the goal. And, it, you know, it's a good point. So, for example, with my autism fitness and neurodiverse athletes, it is rare. I mean, super rare that I go below five or six repetitions on a particular exercise with my athletes because they don't need to be approaching anywhere near, not, not that five repetitions is maximal strength, but my goals for them, um, just programming wise, are building quality control of the movement through the full range of motion. Um, and this, this extends to you know the CP population as well. When you're talking about range of motion, if you have an affected side, so you have an affected arm or you have an affected leg, we're constantly looking at, okay, how do we improve range of motion? How do we, how do we get more quality range of motion? Because you want to move through the, the, you want as elongated a muscle as you can get under, under tension. You don't want a shortened range of motion under high tension because that, as you probably very well know, it is a great way to get injured. So in my programming, it, it's rare that we're going to do anything that's approaching like heavy. And when we talk about heavy, like one, you know, like maximal range, uh, uh, maximal intensity range of like one rep to five reps is not an area that we really play in because it's unnecessary. I, I want that combination of hypertrophy and strength endurance and enough time with the movement like an, enough repetitions that it's going to create that, that motor plan also. So the athlete can perform this movement, um, 
not unconscious, but they can they can they can perform it just anywhere. To they can generalize it. In order to do that, we need enough repetitions with just the right amount of of intensity so that there's a training effect. The training effect that I'm after for my athletes is not maximal strength. It's hypertrophy and strength endurance. So we stay in pretty much the eight to 12 rep range for years and years and years and years until you know we have independent mastery. So that is gonna govern my training principles around a given population. It's like, there's no reason to go stupid heavy on this because it's not gonna fulfill on, right. on that goal. Like it, number one, I want as much injury prevention as possible. And two, I want, as you mentioned, as much quality movement as possible. And it's the same thing as we age, you know, me now in my forties, I don't play with powerlifting numbers anymore. You know, I did that. There's no reason, unless I was competitively powerlifting, I, it, it doesn't make any sense for me, for me to do anymore. Number one, it's, unsusta it's unsustainable. And number two, the risk, the injury risk factor is too high. And I would rather have quality of life um, than I would chasing numbers in my garage gym. Like the, the glory of shouting <laughs> to my next door neighbors that I just hit a PR in the squat doesn't really appeal to me all that much anymore. Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that when you get older, numbers don't really matter anymore unless you're a professional no. athlete. Like I, I'm not a professional athlete anymore, so it doesn't really matter to me. Like, yeah. you know, why would I pursue those numbers and why would I do those things? And, um, you know, now it's about maintaining, you know, about yeah. maintenance. Yeah. Well, especially as we age, and this is something that's so important. My, my favorite athletes and one of the, one of the biggest myths and by myths, this is the thing that annoys me more than anything else. Um, working with the neurodivergent population is there's this assumption that we're talking about kids. Oh, it's a fitness program for autism or for the neurodiverse, but it must be for kids. Like, oh, it's a program for, you know, fitness program for kids. The majority of athletes that I work with one-to-one -one are 18 and older because I, because for two reasons, number one, I love working with um, adult, uh, young adult and, and adult populations. And number two, because if you're talking about access to fitness programs for, you know, for the lifetime, it, there's really, you're, you're not looking at a, at a whole lot that, that is out there. So with, you know, my, my adult athletes, it's really important that we look at, you know, injury prevention and sustaining that strength too, because as we age, there are more lifestyle and, and more, you know, medical and, and injury considerations to, to account for also, you know, look after most people after 40, what do you see? You see atrophy of the muscles and see, you see bone degeneration when, when you're talking about the ASD or the CP or the neurodiverse population, one of the major things to, to keep in mind is that this is not something that is, that is not a factor in their lives either. Like just because someone is neurodiver uh, neurodivergent doesn't mean that they are also at risk, if not more risk for falling or bone degeneration or all these things that are 
preventable. That's the good news is preventable. But coming back to this idea of consistency and prioritization, if it doesn't become a habit and if it doesn't, doesn't become something that's prioritized in their lives, then we are going to see more of this. And that's going to be, a. I think that's a major failure of the of whatever systems we have in place for for the neurodivergent population because we're going to see it like if we don't do something now we're going i i don't have to say it out loud in order for it to happen like it's not any magical incantation that i say oh it's gonna like it's happening now so we can either be on the cusp of it and prevent it by 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 using sound techniques and principles or we can say oh it's too bad that someone with autism, you know, fell and now they're injured and they have difficulty even understanding what's going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those one of those things, you know, that you you yourself, if you're willing and committed, and you have somebody that's compassionate about, can help uh, assist in that kind of prevention. Because uh, mm -hmm. I um, I myself, I've been fortunate enough to where I've never suffered a serious serious injury. I've suffered strains and pulls mm -hmm. my back but i've never broken a single bone or anything in my entire life and i'm fortunate i guess it's it's the athlete in me that i'm yeah. you know that i'm physically fit and i can take i can take in a uh, good amount of damage and absorb it too so um yeah. especially when i played football you know i played football in a league for kids with um all kinds of disabilities up to, mm -hmm. up to high school yeah. And uh, it was flag football, but there were times where some of those kids, uh, they don't understand what flag is. So you would get, you would get slammed, you know, with no yeah. pads, nothing. You would go down. And, it's kind uh, of flag football. Yeah, it's kind of flag football, but uh, sometimes it wasn't. But I'd get back up and keep on playing and I'd be shooken up and the coach would try to take me out. And I'm like, no, oh, man, I got this. I got, you know, and, and there are times where, where you know, get even worse and eventually i'd be out for two three weeks but then i'm i told myself you know what you need to stop being so hard-headed you know because yeah. it, it could have gotten worse for you well but right there also what you just said is so encapsulate what encapsulates why fitness is so important is that you, your mindset is oh i got this like you through your training you know whether it be athletic and then your general training now you've developed both physical and mental resilience for these things. You don't have to worry about some of the things that may be bigger considerations or bigger problems, you know, potential injury risks for, for other people, because these are things that you train, you know, you're training, it, it becomes cliche almost, but you're training for life. You're training so that you don't have to worry about this stuff. So you can say on a regular basis, I got this. And that's what we want to bring to, to more neurodivergent people also, so that they, so that those stress levels, so that those levels of anxiety, we can decrease those a little bit. And, and the levels of, I can do this and autonomy and independence, we can increase those as well. You know, like the, the initiation or being a self-starter and saying, yeah, I'm going to go train or yeah, I'm going to go this. I'm going to leave the house. It's a big deal for a lot of people. It is. And I think that so much of that starts with, with physical fitness, like just, 
you leave a training session knowing that you just accomplished something and you have to say that there's there's something to that that you don't get from many other things in life as so is your program accessible to not just um i mean online clients but do you see people personally like mm -hmm. you know uh near your state or do you do yeah. you drive far to go meet with them no, so I, I used to. So um, we, my wife and I moved down here to Charlotte, North Carolina about three years, three years ago, March 1st, 2020. So for those of you mm -hmm. following the uh, the pandemic timeline, uh, 17 days later, our former home uh, of metropolitan New York was, was closed down. So prior to, when I was working in New York, I was kind of all over the place um in in centers and gyms doing one-to-one -one and, and small group programming so now um i'm situated in one place in in charlotte i work at a one facility with my one-to-one -one training programs i do some distance consulting the most important thing i think that i do um important being relative but but the most widespread is the autism fitness certification so certification has a worldwide reach i have um, certified pros and parents in 10 or 11 different different countries um, throughout the world who want to learn how to put together and and implement the highest level of fitness and adapted PE programs. That is, that is awesome. And speaking about how we mentioned uh, Paralympic athletes uh, earlier, and no, actually about, I'd say two years ago, I interviewed uh, Marshall Zachary. He's a former Paralympic, uh, he or he is still a Paralympic athlete, mm -hmm. uh, eight-time para national champion, wow. and he also competed in the Tokyo Olympic Games in 2020. So I got to, mm -hmm. I got the chance to interview him. He does T, I think it's T eight. He's a T eight runner and a spinner. Okay. So he, he's he's uh and he's also he has CP and he's also partially blind. So it's wow. it's and he's incredible. He is. <laughs> He's, uh, I got to interview him and I also got to interview, have you heard of professional wrestler Gregory Iron? Who does he wrestle for? He, he is, uh, he's, he's an independent wrestler, but he's the only wrestler with cerebral palsy in the world. I did not know this and I'm a big wrestler. Like res professional wrestling is the only thing that I watch consistently. <laughs> yes. And, um, <laughs> He actually was trained by former NXT champion Johnny Gargano. Yes. He's, he's best friends with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, CM Punk. Um wow. he's had he's had tryouts with Impact Wrestling, WWE. Okay. Um he was supposed to have one with AEW, but I guess his physical, his medical clearance what didn't go through. Okay. But he's he's wrestled all over. He's got his own podcast, Iron on Wrestling. Um he, and he's a wonderful, phenomenal guy. Like I, I got to meet him. I've been in conferences with him, yeah. uh, speaking engagement conferences. And I got to speak about adaptive fitness. And I met him through a friend of mine who made a cameo, uh, who did a cameo and he was on cameo. Mm -hmm. So it was my, it was my birthday and they surprised me with a cameo from him. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned about my birthday and about certain things about me. And he said, mm -hmm. you know, David, I've heard about your podcast, Cerebral Palsy and Fitness. And he's like, I'd like to take some time to be on your show so that I could talk about myself and I want to listen to your episodes too. So on the same day of my birthday, about two hours later, we were on a call doing an episode for my show. 
Oh, that's and I'm terrible. like, I'm like, this is incredible because I've been a fan yeah. of his for a long time. I've tried to reach out to him, mm-hmm. and he shared his story about overcoming cerebral palsy, how wow. he started training. He said that a lot of facilities that would try to um, he try to go to, they would completely deny him because um, wow. because of his CP, and they were scared about him getting injured. But mm-hmm. he kept he would keep coming back up, and he kept he would keep on training, didn't give up. Yeah, he'd pay. He'd pay money. He's like, I pay money to kick, get my own ass kicked, but I wanted this so bad. You know, I wanted this so mm-hmm. bad, and he he fought through it. He got the opportunity, and um, he's wrestled all over, and and uh, it's incredible. And he even had um, he even pitched to uh Vince McMahon on a show years ago huh. that he wanted to be a part of the. He, there was a rumor saying that he was going to be part of the Rumble, and he's like, he he really wanted to do something with that because as you know zachary zach gowan yeah he actually zach gowan and gregory iron tag team each other and tag team with each other in the independent circuit known as the handicap heroes yeah you gotta youtube this and you gotta youtube gregory iron because he's i feel like his work as a heel is better than the work as his work as a face he's hilarious he's hilarious and he can he he can put in the work he just i don't know if he's if he's still wrestling now, because it seemed like I was following him on Instagram and he posted a hint saying he had retired, but mm-hmm. I don't honestly, I don't think he's, I don't think he's retired yet, but, um, but he's, he's incredible. And if you have the chance to uh, get to look him up, do so because he's, he's, he's awesome. No, I'm not having, I'm making the chance that that's, that's what I'm doing this evening. <laughs> yeah, no. It's dinner and then, and then going down the rabbit hole of this dude. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah like i've i've been able to interview him and and um marshall zachary and uh and a lot of different athletes and people from all kinds of uh diverse backgrounds as far as the disability community and um mm-hmm. and as far uh, going back into fitness um that's incredible though. that shows you that anybody with any kind of physical limitation or mental limitation can can pursue fitness and it doesn't mean that you have to do it a certain way but do it your own way do it the way you can yeah. and do the best do the best that you can yeah well that's why individual goals are so important too it's like well what do you want to do and then what is the best way to get there because there are plenty of ways to not get there also but you want x and okay well we're uh, you know, how, how do we get you to or how do we get you close to there, you know, because most someone will say, and this is so far off on the aesthetic side, but someone will say like, oh, I want like 7% or 8% body fat. It's like, do you really want 8% body fat or you just want to be really lean? It's like, yes. you know, when you, when you start digging into these questions, it's not to say, oh, you don't want that. It's to say you want something in that realm, but not, not exactly that. And you could have a very specific, you know, you come back to like numbers, someone may say, oh, I want a 400 pound deadlift. Okay, fine. You know, this is the goal. Where are we at now? How do we get you there? And what, you know, what's realistic also? And is it really about the 400 pounds or is it about feeling really strong? You know, so that, so you get into these, these different questions about what someone's real goal is, what their mentality is about it. And of course, what they're willing to do to, to get there. Yeah. It's, it's all about, um, at the beginning of uh, fitness, it's all about uh, 
of course, listen to who's training you. But at the end of the day, it's about you. What what do yeah. you want to pursue? What what are you looking for to do and how you do it? And then just go about the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and having structure to it also, you know, coming about it as too random a way. And that's, you know, we talk about in the fitness industry, like program hopping, like, oh, I'm going to do this for two weeks. Oh, but this looks good. So I'm going to do that for three weeks. And then you don't make any progress. And typically variety is the enemy of progress, because if you're doing too many different things, number one, you're, you're not getting that training effect from consistency. And number two, you don't know what's actually working because you're doing so many, so many different things that you're not sure, okay, this works really well for me. This like after, for me, after 20 something years of, of strength training, I know what works for well. I know what works well for me. I know what feels good. I know what exercises, you know, are, are going to get me to X. And I know, you know, what rep, I know when something feels good. I know when something doesn't feel good because it's been so consistent. You know, someone who doesn't necessarily have that same uh, training age or, or that same kinesthetic awareness, nothing feels good. You know, everything feels challenging. And that's why consistency is so important. So, you know, okay, this works within these parameters, this works sometimes, and then this doesn't work at all. Like I'm not doing, I'm not doing this, but a lot of it, you have to like, you, you have to test for yourself and you also have to look at one, one of the things that I talk about uh, often is exercises and and equipment are they're all tools, right? So if you understand what the objective is and what the tool is and then how to use the tool, then you're more equipped to be able to to set and, and realize that goal. If everything is just, oh, I'll try this. Oh, I'll try that. Okay. Well, then you're just throwing things together and you're not exactly going to be building a house. <laughs> if you don't start with a foundation, it'll probably be, it, it'll probably wind up being so, you know, something that I would build uh, in a house situation. Cause I have no idea what I'm doing. So Eric, are there, um, are you still taking clients and what are, what are some of the ways that those individuals or my listeners are interested in reaching out to you? How, how can they contact you? Yeah, I, absolutely. So in my one-to-one program here in Charlotte, it's really, really limited right now. So I'm not really taking on one-to-one uh, clients, but uh, I do I do some distance consulting um, for both families and self-advocates um, as well and, and, and some programming. But really, I, I think uh, people would get the most out of going through the certification program if they if they're doing it for themselves. So if there are self advocates or there there are um, ASD or, or CP athletes out there, then I do I, I do some distance consulting. Best way to get a hold of me. Um, I'm actually pretty easy to get a hold of, but autismfitness.com. You can not only email me directly, but you can actually I have an actual phone number up there, and people can actually really speak with me or text me and I, I I will answer and then of course you know the autism fitness on on Instagram uh I, I post uh a weekly video Tuesday training on YouTube that's also the autism fitness so you know main hub is autismfitness.com but you know if you hit me up on Instagram I I will always answer Oh, oh, Eric, I've I've definitely appreciated a lot of your your insight, your expertise on the 
on the neurodiversity, on on autism, cerebral palsy, and and a lot of the uh, the different topics we talked about today in regards to uh, fitness and our well being. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I for sure have learned a lot today. I don't know. I don't know about you, and I'm beyond excited for the future for 2023 and what it holds for the both of us. No, I. I... So uh, appreciate your mission and and you as a person and also you as a professional to show other people, you know, what is what is possible. And the fact that you're just doing it, too, and and that you are unstoppable, that you said, I'm putting this together, I'm, you know, your athletic career into your own training and and just being, you know, the, the word role model is thrown around, but someone looks at you or listens to you and they say, I can do this or someone I know can do this. Like that's really important to be that pillar for people, because if you don't have an example, then it's often difficult to say, Oh no, this is, this is possible. But you as an example, enable other people. And the cool thing is sometimes you're not going to know it. Like you're inspiring people you know, across the road or across the world, and you may not never know it. So you just keep putting stuff out there because it, it, it will make a difference. Yeah. Eventually, eventually it'll reach out to somebody. And when it does, that's yeah. when it, that's when it pays off. Oh, completely. Yeah. And that's just how you do good in the world. Well, well, Eric, thank you for, for being on today. And I will have all this information in the description below. You're going to find this episode on on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and every other major podcasting outlet out there. Mm -hmm. And Eric, once again, thank you for being on. I appreciate you. Thank you for your knowledge and expertise. And until next time, you guys. Thank you, David.